We've been talking over the past few weeks here on this collection called What's Coming Next. And if you have not been here, you need to go back to our YouTube channel or Facebook, wherever you consume your media, and make sure that you play back those last two messages that Pastor Mac brought to us. Because they set the tone to what we're going to be talking about today, and they set the tone to what's happening in our lives today. Here's a good thing about the Word of God. The Word of God is relevant. It always has been relevant, and it will always continue to be relevant. The answer to many of the things that we're looking for is already here, and a lot of times it's in our hands or under our armpit. But it's relevant, the Word of God. So when we open the Bible and we read the scripture, we know that God is speaking to us. Today I'm going to share a message with you, and I titled it, Can't Stay Here. Can't Stay Here. Can't Stay Here. Look at somebody say, you can't stay here. I don't think you can, but wait till you hear the message. Come on. Let's open up our Bibles in the book of Matthew chapter 17. And Pastor Mac was on Matthew chapter 14, and I think you started at the beginning of Matthew, and we kind of worked through it a little bit. Uh, but here we are, Ma Matthew chapter 17. It says, six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them to a high mountain to be alone. And I want to pause right there, and I want to know this. A lot of the times that God is going to do new things in your life will be not in a crowd, but alone. There are many times that we want to see God operate in our lives and move in different ways, but we are too busy with too many people around us. And I want you to think of, of this in, in a spiritual concept. There is something about being in an intimate moment with the Lord. I have had personally experiences where I am by myself, my family is sleeping, or, or I find a time to be by myself with the Lord, and God speaks to me, and he reveals things to me that he had not before. So there's something about being intimate with the Lord. And in this moment in history, Jesus takes Peter and these other two disciples, James and John, and he leads them to a high mountain, a place of separation to be with them, and there they experience what's coming next. As the men watched Jesus, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun. And his clothes became as white as light. Suddenly, Moses and Elisha appeared and began talking with Jesus. Can you imagine this? You're there with Jesus. I mean, uh, you, Jesus is like, come on, guys, we're going to go pray. And they've already been with Jesus before. They went to pray with Jesus before. Jesus pulled them out before. And what did they do the last time? They fell asleep. And here's the thing. God is calling you right now. And some of us in this room are afraid to answer the call because the last time he called, we fell asleep. We, we are afraid to say yes to what's coming next because the last time he said, here's what's coming next, and you got excited about it, you failed him. But Peter, I love Peter because he don't care. He's like, I failed Jesus, but I still want to be with him. Last time I, we fell asleep, but we still want to come. So don't get stuck in the last time and focus on what's coming next. So they're there. Peter proclaimed, 
Verse 4. Lord, it is wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I'll make three shelters as memorials. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he spoke, almost like interrupting him, even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my dearly loved son whom brings me great joy. Listen to him. Listen to him. So here's the deal. The disciples are, are, are coming out of like the best moment of their lives. Like they just experienced Jesus do some amazing, miraculous things. I mean, Jesus just walked on water. Jesus just fed 4,000 people. There were crowds gathering around the disciples and around Jesus. Jesus was probably at the apex of his ministry. He's moving. The disciples are, are, are seeing this, uh, this special moment in the, in the life and ministry of Jesus. And, and, and all of a sudden, it cannot get any better than this. I mean, he just fed 4,000. He, he did all those things. And Peter is thinking, how can it get any better? But he can. Have you guys ever been to a movies? I was to the movies the other day. You guys were there. And you're watching a movie. This has never happened to me before, but it happened to me last weekend, and I got witnesses. You're watching a movie, and, and the first few moments of the movie, they're developing the characters. They're like, this is the good guy. This is the bad guy. Like, you, you'll know within the first five minutes of the movie. And then they're, they're building it up, they're building it up, and then there's climax where, where something's about to happen. Obviously, if you're watching a Marvel movie, it'll happen quickly, like in the first 30 seconds. But I was watching Clifford, the big red dog. So it, it took a little longer to get there. It took a little longer. But 15 minutes into the movie, the first chasing, the lights go out. The whole movie theater is gone. And my kids, Joshua, in the movies for the first time, you know, he's a little hyper, so I, I held him back. I said, he's five. Like, this is it's time. We take him. He looks at me. He's like, Daddy, what's going on? I said, buddy, it's an experience. <laughs> my wife looks at me like, come on, man. You, you're always trying to sell things, like, if they're good. I say, guys, you know, this is an experience you tell your friends about. Wait a few minutes, and, and we left. But it was kind of upsetting because we were in the climax of this movie, and we wanted to see what was coming next, and we didn't get to. A lot of times that happens in our lives. Things are happening. Things are working up. Things are moving. God is doing things. And all of a sudden, we get to, to a climactic moment where God really, he's just getting started. He wants to do even more things in your life. And you, and you are like, Peter, well, what, what if we stay here? I mean, I don't blame Peter. He's just doing the, he's just doing the theology he knew up until that point. Because in the Old Testament, in order for the presence of God to dwell in a place, that God had commanded for them to build an altar, to build a tent. So Peter is thinking, I, I, this is, it cannot get any better than this. Jesus is here. Moses is here. Elijah is here. We better build something so that we can host the presence of God. But here's the thing. Peter had forgotten that for so many days, he had already been walking with God himself. Peter had forgotten that Jesus had even a better plan for them. And it wasn't for the presence to be hosted in a, in, in a temporary dwelling, but it was for the presence of God to be hosted inside of them. If Peter would have just waited a little longer, he would have known that something else was supposed to happen, that something else was coming next. 
They get this glimpse into this divine moment where, where the fabric of Jesus' divinity gets revealed to the disciples. I mean, they're walking with him and they know he is Jesus, he's the son of God. But, but now they're, they're experiencing a moment where they're seeing something they've never seen before. And I think it's very unique that, and pretty amazing that, that Peter, James, and John recognize the two characters that showed up. He just re they recognize him because I believe when the Holy Spirit is moving and when God is, his presence is dwelling somewhere, is moving somewhere, all of a sudden you have new revelation. And so if you're looking for revelation, then you need to look for the presence of God. If you're looking for something new, then you need to look for the presence of God. And these guys, I mean, that's incredible. I forget people. Do you ever forget somebody's name? Not anybody here. Nobody's going to own up to it. One of the, one of the things that uh, Pastor Mac has been working with me for the past two years is to remember people's names. He's like, what? You just got it. And, and I'm, I'm doing a lot better. Right, right honey? I'm doing a lot better. Do, doing. And I do even better when I'm hanging out with Mac because I'm like, what's that person's name I describe? And he's, he knows him. But what are you supposed to do when you forget somebody's name? You know, with guys, it's easy. You're like, hey, bro. What do you do with girls? Hey, hey, sister. See, if we're Christians, we call ourselves brothers and sisters. So, hey, sister. But these guys have been revealed. They, didn't, they never met them. They heard of them, but they never met them. This is before their time. So in a miraculous way, Jesus is standing there, hanging out with two of the greatest leaders they've ever heard of. Peter's like, why don't we just stay here? He forgot about the other disciples. He forgot about the work that Jesus called him to do. All the men that needed to be fished for, he forgot about them. And he was focusing on the moment right there, right now. Why don't we stay here? Here's the thing. There are moments in our life, moments in history, moments that great things are happening, that God is moving in great ways. And we want to savor those moments. And we want to, and I'm not saying we shouldn't. A few moments ago, I mean, you, you felt what, what was happening in this room. Now, if we were at a different church, we would have extended that for another half an hour. I'm not kidding. I, I, you know, I've been around the block a few times. Because it was a great moment when the presence of God is moving. But God wants to do that more often. He doesn't want to do it one time. He doesn't want to bless you one time. He doesn't want to change your life one time. It's a continuous thing that he is doing in our lives. And we cannot stay stuck in what was. We have to remember what was. Embrace what is. And think about what's next. Do you believe that with me today? And I love, I love how God operates. Because almost like interrupting Peter. Because Peter's in the, in the middle of saying, we should stay here. And God himself from heaven, he's like, no, you're not staying there. This is my son. You love him. I, I love him. I am honoring him. And you listen to him. You can't stay here. There's more for you to do. I love when God interrupts Peter because I love when God interrupts me. And I want God to interrupt me. Because when my ideas are the ones that play, things don't work out, you know, all the way, the way I think it's going to work out. But when it's God interrupting me, when you allow God to interrupt you, he's working in your life. We have to 
be ever conforming to the image of Jesus. Ever, as we are getting closer to eternity, he continues to operate in our lives. And if he's not changing you on a daily, weekly basis, then, then you need to examine what's going on. Because we need to be changing constantly so that we could be evolving and getting closer to being like Christ in the way we think, in the way we speak, in the way we walk. And it doesn't happen one time when you make the, the sinner's prayer. It, it, it continues to happen as you continue to seek God in your life. I always share the example of my father who is 73 now. And he's been pastoring since he was 18 years old. But every time I have a phone conversation with him, he tells me about something new that he found. I just, we read this so many times, but now I was reading it and God reveals something new. Because it's not about age and it's not about tenure. And it's not about how long you've been somewhere doing something. It is about your willingness to allow God to show you what's next. Now, if we read on there, after they fell, after God spoke, the disciples fell down to the ground. And then verse 7 says, then Jesus came over and touched them. Get up, he said, don't be afraid. And when they looked up, Moses and Elijah were gone. And they saw only Jesus. They saw only Jesus. They saw, I, you know, I don't have any tattoos. But if I did, I did, maybe I'll write something like that. They saw only Jesus. Because sometimes we are in the middle of the mess. We are in the middle of the struggle. We're in the middle of the worst moment in history in our life. And when we look up, we don't see Jesus. We see, we see our friends telling us what to do. We see our, our mothers uh, wagging their fingers and say, I told you so. But we need to look up and forget about anybody else and see only Jesus. We got it. He's a different type of leader. He's a different, he's a different type of savior. He's a different type of God. And we need to look up only at him when we're in, the, in those moments that we need him. Because here's the deal. Elisha, Moses, they both went to the mountain. They both went up to the mountain. When, when Moses went up to the mountain and came down, he came down with the law. And 3,000 people died at his hands. When Elijah went up to the mountain, fire came down from heaven. And he came down and slaughtered 450 people. But when Jesus goes up to the mountain, something different happens. When Jesus comes down from the mountain, something completely different happens. When he comes down from the mountain, he crushes the kingdom of darkness. When he comes down from the mountain, he announces, I'm about to go to the cross again. He keeps telling the disciples, this is what's about to happen. When Jesus comes down from the mountain, something different happens. And if you were here last week, you heard how God is at these moments, he is crushing religion and tradition. And Jesus furthermore explains here, it's not about Moses. Moses had his time. Elijah had his time. But it's my time now. I am Jesus and I'm going to do things in a different way. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And here's how he demonstrates how he's doing it. Six days before this moment, he gathered his disciples. And he gave them a speech. He told them, I'm going to build my church. 
I'm going to use you to build my church. I'm going to build my church so strong that the, that the gates of Hades cannot come against you. In fact, I'm going to build my church in front of the gates of Hades, and they still can't come against you. This is six days before this. And here we are six, day, six days later. They come down from the mountain, and the disciples that were left behind experienced an epic failure. Matthew chapter 17, verse 14. At the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them. A man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls in the fire or into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. How disappointed would Jesus have been at this point? He's like, man, I'm giving you the authority. I made the promise. I showed you how it's done. And now someone, while I'm away, brings somebody that needs to be prayed for and healed, and you're unable to do it. Now, I don't know what these disciples were thinking because after Jesus had given them that speech, I'm sure they were motivated. They're like, well, we're going to be the church, bro. The gates are hell. They can't shoot. But then all of a sudden, they get to the mountain, and Jesus says, hey, Peter, James, John, come with me. You guys stay here. I'll be right back. I'm a, we, but we, I mean, we, we, know how to, we know how to hike, too. No, no, y'all, y'all stay here. We'll be right back. How do you feel? Maybe they felt like they were the B team, left behind. A lot of times, the enemy wants to make you feel that way so that you get lose focus on what God wants to do. You're not the second choice. There's just a different job for you. Oh, man. And here's what happens. They try to prove themselves. They t- try to prove to themselves that they can do it in their own strength. And honestly, we get in tr- into trouble when we try to prove that we can do it in our own strength. Because we're, we're not supposed to. He doesn't want us to. You ever try to be in, like, you know, Thanksgiving and all? How many have family over for Thanksgiving? A few of you. This was my first Thanksgiving, just me and my wife and my kids. But then I had a few visitors that I love, and it was a fun time. But Thanksgiving, there's always something happening. And there's always in the kitchen a moment where, where mom can't open the jar of, of yam or whatever. Can't open the jar. And, you know, it's always the guys. The guys are like, can't open it. I can open it. And we get in trouble, man. We get in trouble when we try to prove ourselves. I've done it. Remember a few years back, you know, more than a few years back, a ton of years back, I was young and inexperienced. I didn't realize yet that you have to hit it from the back in order for it to work. I didn't know that. I just thought it was brute strength. Here we are there. I grabbed that say, watch this. Impossible. Cannot be opened. There's absolutely no way you can open that jar. And my mom comes over and she's like, opens it. I'm like, I loosened it. I, you know I loosened it. Anyways, it's embarrassing when we try to prove ourselves. And when we talk about spiritual things, man, when we talk about as a father leading your family well, it's embarrassing when you try to do it on your own. 
When we talk about a wife being a good mother and a good wife, it's embarrassing when you try to do it on your own. When we talk about us being leaders in the church and, and leading others to Christ, it's embarrassing when we try to do it on our own. Because we're not supposed to do it by ourselves. We're supposed to do it with him. Do you believe that with me today? We got to be totally dependent on God. They tried on their own, their own power and they couldn't do it. Now here's the thing. The enemy wants you to give up. You tried it. Didn't work out. Don't, you better not do it again. And embarrassment is one of the things that the enemy uses with people. It damages their confidence. It damages their ability to try. It's like, oh, that same thing that happened before is going to happen again. You pray once and nothing happens, so you stop praying. You came to church one weekend and your marriage wasn't restored, so you stopped coming to church. You served one time and didn't get noticed, so you don't want to serve again. So what do you do? You can't stay there. You got to keep moving. William Carey, great missionary, once said, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. So we got to have this mentality that we expect God to do great things, but we can't just expect him to do it and not do anything. Oh, God is going to do it. Well, how about you get up there and you lay hands and pray for somebody? You got to expect for him to do great things, but you have to attempt to do great things. Jesus is telling them, I've given you the authority. You need to move in it. So what happens next is that sometimes what happens next is embarrassment and failure. Jesus tells him, after all of this, Jesus tells him, guys, I got to, I'm going to be going away. I'm going to die. But in three days, I'm going to resurrect. And the Bible says that the disciples got depressed. They didn't, I don't, it doesn't use that word, but greatly distressed. It's in my version. But they were missing again the point. And I want us to be alert and be paying attention to the point because there are things that are going to happen and you think that that's it, but God is just preparing you for what's coming next. The days of miracles are here. God is moving right now. The disciples saw all the miracles because they were close to God. And I wonder how many miracles are we missing because we're away from God. How many things in our life God wants to be doing and he's unable to do because of our separation. And I'm not talking about coming to church. I'm not even talking about serving at church. You could be up here leading worship, singing, playing, and doing all of, all of the things. And you, if you're separated from God, if there's not a closeness and intimacy with God, you're going to miss the moments in history, the moments, the things that God wants to do in and through you because you're not close to God. You're alive. You are well. God has been good. He continues to be good. He is healing. He is restoring. He is delivering. Look at what he's done. And let's look forward to what he's doing. We can't stay here. Authentic as a church, we're about to celebrate four years. Come on, four years. We have, as a church, baptized so many people. We have seen people change. We have seen people deliver. We have seen people healed. We're seeing it every week. But there's more. Yeah. 
because it's like I said, we can't stay in those moments. Those moments are great. We need to enjoy them. We need to, uh, we need to work towards them, ask God for them, but there's more. And as a church, we can't stay here. We can't do what Peter did. We got to ask God for more. We got to expect God to do more. And we got to put our hands to work as if we knew that God was about to do more. In our personal lives, we can't stay stuck. Now, I don't know what's coming next for you. But I know this. You can't stay depressed. You can't stay living in adultery. You can't stay thinking that God doesn't love you. You can't stay whining about what happened five years ago. You can't stay separated from God. You can't stay mad at your family. You can't stay complacent because God wants more 